Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Have I got a treat for you today. It is my very first guest co-host on Choose Your Next Yes. Today, I have Melissa Bernstein. Yeah, that's the one, Melissa and Doug Toys. So Melissa is an entrepreneur. She's a visionary creative, a female leader, and a mother of six. Oh my gosh, I have three boys and I am worn out all the time. This girl's got some energy. She is the co-founder of the tremendously successful toy company, Melissa and Doug, and she spent the last 30 years helping children discover themselves, their passions, their purpose, all through open-ended play. Now, she's on her own personal journey of self-discovery and acceptance. And she's using her unparalleled creativity to reinvent well-being products that help adults find calm. And I am so excited for her to be our first guest host. So now to the show. Are you in a new season of your life? Are you stuck and searching for clarity so you can make a career change? Do you just need the courage to switch careers? Are you ready to follow God's plan for your career? Welcome to Choose Your Next Yes. Hi, Kindred. I'm Mel, a career transition coach, mom of grownups, coffee lover, and God girl. I've had a lot of big life changes, and I haven't always been clear about God's plan for me. This led to stress and anxiety and a lack of clarity and courage to make a career move. I finally started listening to God's voice to find clarity and peace and stopped being scared to make a move and achieve my career transition goals. Now, my mission is to help you learn to listen to God's voice and know when to say yes to the career you've always wanted and no to everything else. Let me show you how to clarify your purpose and find courage to pursue your personal and professional goals in your midlife and beyond. Throw down your self-doubt, dust off your dreams, kindred, it's time to reset and refine and reclaim the woman you once aspired to be. Good morning, everyone. I would like to introduce to you from Lifelines and Melissa and Doug Toys, Melissa Bernstein. And Melissa, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us what you do and why you do it. Wow. I have, I feel like I've lived a few lives, so I, I've done a lot. Uh, I would say, you know, from very early on, I've always been a creative and uh, never really connected to that. Although I, I would think every cell in my body is wired to create something from nothing and hopefully mm-hmm. have the possibility to touch others with that creativity. But um, I followed a very conventional path until... Uh, after college, when I went to work as an investment banker and was the most miserable person on the planet, I felt like I was a flower without sunlight and water, uh, but definitely would have stayed there because I was terrified of the unknown, which I think many of you listening might be currently as well. Uh, so and my how boyfriend. Long did you, how long did you do investment banking? For about two years. Oh, okay. Wow. And thank goodness my my boyfriend at the time, Doug, who's now my husband, mm-hmm. saw how miserable I was. I was literally like almost unable to get out of bed each day because I couldn't understand why I was doing what I was doing, 
what it was doing for the world. And I, I was really falling into an existential meaning crisis. Like, what is the point of my life if I can't do something of meaning? So he uh, gave me the courage. We went away for a fateful weekend to a bed and breakfast and with no other intention um, than to come out of that weekend knowing what we wanted to do. And he really encouraged me that we could do something different and do it together, even though society at that point was definitely not fans of uh, jumping off the corporate treadmill and doing something entrepreneurial. Those were the days when you worked at one company your entire life and followed the corporate ladder uh, and ended your career at the same place you started. So right, wow. We were we were not following convention. Yes, exactly, exactly. So you left investment banking after two years, and you started your company at that time. Yes, we we started our company when I was like I think almost twenty three, and he was twenty five. Uh, and that was our life for the next 32 years. Wow. Um, yeah, we really uh, made it into our career and our mission to bring uh, what we called open-ended play into children's lives and to use open-ended play as a catalyst to ignite imagination and a sense of wonder and help children discover themselves, their passions, and their purpose. Exactly, exactly what I'm hoping my ladies can discover for themselves. Um, So that's wonderful. And of course, I think pretty much everybody who has children or is an educator knows about um, Melissa and Doug Toys. Um, You know, I I have taught um, preschool and um, early childhood a few years. And we, you know, your your toys are amazing. And um, I don't think I ever had anything like that when I was younger. But um, I do remember like one of my favorite things that I did have, which was this little cardboard puzzle. It was of the States. And I loved putting that puzzle together. And I know that you guys have things like that too. And I don't know why, but I was so enamored with that one little cardboard puzzle. So I know that your stuff is like way more um, durable and (laughs) sustainable. I raised three boys and pretty much everything that they touched um, was broken within, (laughs) I mean, like soon. Like I remember my son got something for Christmas one year and we had it like five minutes. He had it open and it was like this, uh, it was a helicopter that you pulled the string to make it go. And he cut the string. (laughs) Like he got a pair of scissors and cut the string immediately. I'm like, well, (laughs) all right. (laughs) So so at least your toys are durable and can make it through. young children and especially young boys. So (laughs) thank you for saying that. That means a lot. So what is or was the biggest challenge in starting your own business? Oh my gosh. I think the better question might be what wasn't the challenge, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest challenge with anything in life is staying in the verb and not getting too caught up in the noun. Meaning you know, when we think about the end goal, you know, if I were to ever go into one of our warehouses, I, which I couldn't do, by the way, after about five years, because I would see like these 300,000 square foot warehouses filled to the ceilings, which were like 50 feet high with product. 
And I would say, oh my gosh, there's no way we can sell all this product. Like I would, I would become in a panic over the end goal. And I think what would always happen is you'd start to get caught up in your ego and where is this leading? And is this going to, you know, be able to support our family? And you'd become, you know, you go into fight or flight, you'd become really panicked. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, it was always about trying to stay in the moment, which was, can I create the next toy to be something that lights up a child? And if I could stay focused on just my task of making this one toy magical in some way and something that kids not only want to play with once, but want to keep coming back to, then I knew I could stay on the path. And that's where I tried to go every time. I tried to always come back home to the moment it's it's an exercise in mindfulness mm-hmm. and just think about that one toy. I didn't have to think about all the toys that were created before. I didn't have to think about the toys that were being created ahead, you know, in the future. It was literally about the next greatest toy. And that's awesome. I've just um, recently discovered mindful thinking. I mean, I've heard about it for a long time, but just like really digging in and learning about what it is and starting my own business and um, trying to make sure that I am very cognizant of every single step so I don't go too fast. So I've always heard you go slow to go fast or go slow to grow fast. And I definitely think that because you can become overwhelmed. Like you said, it's just overwhelming to see that much product. Well, I don't have product, but thinking about all of the things that I could do or could help with my business and all of the things that you can buy and and use to organize your time and streamline it it becomes overwhelming even just in that facet of things so um yes. definitely the mindful thinking and i love that phrase that you use staying in the verb so you're not caught in the noun and that that's amazing and i write i write a lot of verses and i actually one of my my, my the verses i tell myself the most is that it's and I'll, I'll say it just quickly. It's it's the learning, not the grade. It's the crafting, mm-hmm. not what's made. It's competing, not the score. It's crusading, not the war. It's the painting, not the art. It's the acting, not the part. It's the journey, not the goal for engaging fuels the soul. Oh my gosh, I love that. So that's one of the things that I talk about in my podcast with my women is that it's not it's not an end destination. You're not you're not going to a specific place. Your journey can get you there and I like to always say, you know, I am God's David and so like as we go through, I am growing. He's teaching me stuff just like he did David who was not able to be king when he was anointed as king because he was just too young and he didn't know enough. So he had to learn some things. And so that's how I feel about myself and also that's where I want my women to to land and to understand what I want them to understand about themselves is they are there's a journey and they have experiences that are leading them to where they're going. And so I love, I love that. And even in the, in the perspective of meaning, because I am a, a, a student of meaning, uh-huh. you need to have two points of reference, two frames. One is what is called ultimate meaning. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a faith and it, and it can be religious. It can be a, a faith in God. It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. it can just be a faith that, 
things will work out. And it's kind of like you're looking at the horizon and you mm-hmm. see the horizon and it's it's always there as a guiding point, but you can't get to the horizon today, right? right. And if you only think, and that's the noun, the horizon is the noun. If you're only looking at the horizon, you will become in a panic, mm-hmm. right? Because like, I'm here, how am I going to get to the horizon? And then there's what's called meaning in the moment. And meaning in the moment are the very tangible, concrete steps you can take every single day to get closer to the ultimate meaning. And that's what life is about. Life is about taking something that seems overwhelming and insurmountable and breaking it into those bite-sized chunks that you can easily do every single day. And that's the point. And Melissa and Doug, it was, what is the next product I can create? Not thinking about that it has to sell millions or it has to be around for the next 20 years, but do how can I go back to that wonderful, pure place of boundless white space, which I call creativity, mm-hmm. and, and draw from there and really do the next little thing to get me to make that next product. And I love how you said, you know, that small thing, that bite-sized thing. In education right now, we are teaching our teachers how we give them real-time feedback and we give them bite-sized feedback, one thing that they can do to correct their teaching and be more effective. I want my ladies to also think about things in that perspective, because if you think about everything and your end goal, like you said, where you're going, it can be overwhelming. So take it one step at a time, really dig into that one thing and perfect it before you move on. And of course, there's no perfection, like there, everything changes. And so you, you keep adding new toys to your toy line. And so because things change and you want to create more authentic play. And so you will add something new to keep going. And I want them. And by the way, not every step you take is going to lead to something greater. Many times I would create a toy that was a complete bust. Uh Um, Many times, more often than not, my my hit rate, my (laughs) hit rate, someone once calculated it, my hit rate was about 35%. So similar to a baseball player. So actually more of my toys, I created about 10,000 toys in 32 years, more of them failed than succeeded. But the the fascinating thing about that is even with more failures than successes, we still grew every single year. So that's the point. I believe in movement, whether it's forward movement, sideways movement, or backward movement, Mm -hmm. you have a decision and a choice in every moment. And if you keep moving, you'll just course correct, right? You might move backward and you'll be like, ooh. But again, if you have the courage to look at every decision you've made and look at it with with the eye of learning and wisdom and insight, you'll learn something from your mistake that will help you course correct going forward. And that's what I started to learn. I started Mm -hmm. to actually learn that the failures were so much more important than the successes. Because the lessons I learned in all the toys that failed were so powerful and so profound that they changed the way I went forward for decades to come. Yeah, exactly. And I actually published a uh, a mini episode yesterday, like I was at church and like God spoke to me and I came home and published it. And one of the things that I had put in there is that 
failing doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you haven't succeeded yet. And all of, like you just said, all of those little failures, they're not failures. They just tell you what not to do so you can be better and get to where you're supposed to be. And I use the example of Michael Jordan, you know, where he's missed so many shots and he was supposed to take the winning shot like 26 times and missed. And you know what? That's okay. We miss, we pick up the basketball and we try again. You know, we don't throw it down and give up because if we give up- In our society, we- you know, I talk a lot about failure. And if you look at the thesaurus, the the um, synonyms for failure are horrible. The way we've defined it, they're like bankrupt, defunct, you know, empty. But the truth really is that failure is a necessary step on the path to success. So if you thought about it more as the more failures you have, if you have the courage to look at them and really see them for what they are and learn from them, they will be the most important lessons of your life. Exactly. I feel like the only failure there is, is if you quit completely and you don't keep trying. I mean, there there comes a time maybe when you need to take a different route and let something go completely, but you're going to know that and you're going to be led to that by a lot of different things. And that's not going to just be something that you wake up and one day say, I think I'm done, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I love like your words of wisdom. They are definitely um, something I think that my women can cling on to and um, give them some courage to move forward. Yeah. Well, you know, at Melissa and Doug, I was so enamored with failure that I actually started to put behind me in my large office space, Mm -hmm. which was out in the open, by the way, where I worked with all my team, I started to put my favorite failures. So I I created so many toys that didn't succeed that the thought of like never seeing them again, again, because actually they they talked to me, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like toy story. Um, The thought of never seeing them again, got me really, really sad. So I started to put them on the what at the time was a, a bookshelf behind my desk. And over the years, it became about 800 toys behind me. Oh, wow. That became my favorite failures because I failed so often. And the fascinating thing that started to happen because I was in that business over three decades, I started to see that some of the failures had nothing to do with the toy itself not being worthy. They were actually that we were ahead of our time. Mm-hmm. And we created a trend that yes. people weren't just, they weren't quite ready to embrace. And 10 years later, because they sat behind me and I was able to end up using that, that I called it sort of the land of misfit toys right? to, to draw from as inspiration. And it became almost like a, like our, our team would look behind there almost every day because there was so much to learn from those those toys that we would often pull a toy out a decade later that had failed miserably 10 years ago. And it would be a resounding success without doing anything to it other than introducing it at a different point in time. And then many other times it was something that we did incorrectly, but just one little thing, like for example, maybe the packaging was just a little drab. 
And if we just enhanced the packaging and made it a little clearer about the benefits and features of the toy, Mm -hmm. that alone was enough to make it a great seller. So you start to see that we make uh, our our definitions so black and white in, in, you know, in English, it's like failure, success, but it's not that at all. Failure is really just one point on this wonderful continuum to success. Exactly. And aren't all the great entrepreneurs like they, they didn't succeed the very first time that they, they did something, you know, like electricity might not have ever happened had we not, I mean, it probably would have from someone else, you know, we, we can't stop. Like you have to keep going. And just because you fail at one time, like we wouldn't have flight, we wouldn't have cars, we wouldn't have all of these things if people gave up the second that something didn't work. So there's a fascinating uh, study on prolific creators. Mm -hmm. And basically the, the, the essence of it is that prolific creators are not necessarily more geniuses than others of their time. However, the major difference is they create an abundance of ideas so out of proportion to the others that their likelihood of success is just larger. Right. And they, they state even Einstein and Picasso and, um, Thomas Edison and that there were many other geniuses of their time who were inventing. But when you look at the breath, they, Mozart and Shakespeare are also listed there. When uh-huh. you look at how many things they created, it was like 20 times the number that their peers did. And their percentage of success wasn't larger. It was just their realm of creation was larger. Right. And um, I've had that same experience, you know, again, having created so many things. Because at the end of the day, no one tells you your your hit rate, right? Like Mozart, supposedly he created like over 600 pieces of music. And if you look at the, the masterworks, they're only a handful. Right. So, but no one says, well, his hit rate was only 5%. No, they look at the the pieces themselves and talk about them as masterpieces. So yeah. it's it's a really important lesson that the more you create, the higher likelihood you have of success, which means you must fail more to succeed. Right, exactly. So what advice would you give to my midlife women who are ready to make a pivot in their career? You know, my ladies... When I was doing my market research, they're hitting that midlife point. Their kids are leaving home or already have left home. And they're just, they've not ever been able to focus on themselves. Maybe they didn't get to go to college or they went to college, but they didn't get to go into the career that they went to college for. And now they're like, they don't know what to do. They're, you know, they're a little scared. They need some courage. What advice would you give them? Oh my gosh. Well, know that I'm right with you. I'm one of those women right now. Me too. Kids leaving the house and know that it's a terrifying time and a time that many can fall into a, an existential meaning crisis because you've had one role, right? Mm-hmm. You've been defined one way. Exactly. And followed that path beautifully. And you've raised probably um, independent children, which is such a, a feat. So I think to, to honor that first off and say, I've done my job is really important. So first do that. First pat yourself on the back and say like, I've done something amazing. Exactly. And then then know 
that when you stare into the abyss of the unknown, it can be terrifying, right? When you ask the question, like, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? And how am I going to discover that? Know that that is going to induce a lot of fear because our bodies do not like the unknown. Mm-hmm. Our bodies like comfortable homeostasis and being in the middle of the box where we know exactly what's going to happen. That isn't what we're supposed to do because right. we're supposed to get in touch with our our noetic realm, which is our spiritual realm, and really discover what we're here for. But our bodies don't like it. So know that what you're experiencing right now is very, very normal. When you start to think about the unknown and like, I don't have any skills that I can use today and the world is a big, vast place and how am I going to discover it? It can be terrifying. So to honor that and to breathe into it and to say, okay, I'm at this juncture now and feeling feeling that that fear is also something to allow, allow that feeling to run through you. But I will say that this can be the most extraordinary period of your life because for the first time, you're going to be asking the question, who am I? What is it I want to do with the, the rest of my life? And it should be like going back to childhood. It should be like rediscovering that inner child within, but know that it's going to take a lot of deliberate intention and work. Because if you start to think about what do I want to do and you come up with nothing, it's because you you don't have anything yet. And you're going to have to do go on that inner journey. You're going to have to do that inner work. And it's a process. Yes. Discover that self. Um, and, and I just finished a, um, a book that I co-wrote with uh, a friend of mine. It's not even out yet. Um, a woman on our team who's become a dear friend. Uh-huh. It's called Practice Makes Purpose. And it's literally how to figure out through a practice that you engage in, like, who am I and what am I meant to do with my life now? Yes. And that's exactly what I've been talking to them about. As a matter of fact, my episode yesterday was about who am I? That is so amazing that like God aligns things for you. When you said no skills, they do have skills. They just don't always recognize those skills. They've done a million things and they've learned a million things in their lifetime. And being a mom, you have so many skills. You just need to focus those skills. And so that's one of the things that I do with my coaching is I help them get clarity on their gifts and talents and how they can use those, what options they have, their spiritual gifts, what options they have to use those spiritual gifts, where their passions and interests align with those skills. So I I love that you said that. And there's so much work to do, like you said, but being scared to even take that first step, you were scared. You were scared to get behind the wheel of a car and take your driver's license. You were scared to have a baby. You were scared to get married. You still did it. So being scared is not an excuse. Um, In my book, it's not an excuse to not do anything it's more of an excuse to move forward because it takes courage to do a lot of things. And so moving into a new career is one of those. That's it for today, everyone. Be sure to tune in on Friday for the second half of the interview with Melissa Bernstein and catch the rest of what she has to say to you beautiful, wonderful kindreds of mine. I love you and I will see you on Friday. 